Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It is time for your Mock Draft Weekend Edition. Again, we are going to be doing this every single Friday night into Saturday morning for you to prep you for the college football day ahead as a little piece of it, but really to give you ideas of prospects that the Cleveland Browns could be interested in. Most of the weeks we will have my good friend and co-host of the show here in just a second. I'm calling him a co-host of the show. I'm giving him some entitlement to this thing. He, uh, Mr. Stephen Thomas, Browns Mock Draft, will do a weekly write-up that we will feature. He did not do a weekly write-up this week. He is actually going to do a show tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Saturday, today, uh, on Twitch, it'll be an 11 a.m. show on the East Coast time, 11 a.m. He will have on Jordan Reed from the Draft Network, and they will go through some prospects and talk through them, and it'll be a ton of fun to listen to Jordan give insights and Steve give insights. It'll be a great show, so make sure you check that out on Twitch. But again, every Friday, we will highlight Steve's work from throughout the week. We didn't do that this week. It's a weird week, bye week from the preseason leading up to the regular season. He will, uh, actually, he performed a mock draft. Uh, This guy can just do mock drafts out of thin air. So we have that to discuss with you and some players to pay attention to during the slate of college football games tomorrow if you're not watching the Coastal Carolina-Kansas game that's on right now. Before we bring on Steve, I do want to talk to you once again about my good friends, over at TickPick, who are providing you the original no-fee ticket site, and they'll be the one you can always go to for your NFL tickets. So if you're going to the Texans game, which is a reminder, the Browns, uh, Texans opener, First Energy, we actually gave away tickets, and we're going to be giving away tickets throughout the year to various other home games. So make sure you're joining, following, and then subscribing to increase your chances to the OBR Twitch to give yourself an opportunity to win free tickets. But if you don't get those free tickets and you want to go to any of the great home games, the Denver game, um, who else do they play at home? The Cardinals. There's so many great games that you can go to this year at home. TickPick is the place to go to get your seats. They got rid of those awful service fees that other sites charge where you're almost paying double the, the price that shows up when you originally find the seats. They even go so far as to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So, reminder, if you're going to go to a Browns game, here's an opportunity to get $10 off your first order by going to TickPick.com breakdown as a part of a nice little OBR film breakdown spin there for listeners of this show. Go to tickpick.com slash breakdown. Use the promo code breakdown and get 10 bucks off your first order. Again, that is tickpick.com. Eliminate those annoying service fees. And again, take advantage of that 110% offer. Do your research. You might be able to get some money out of it, even more than the $10. Now we welcome in Mr. Stephen Thomas. We got our mock draft up in front of us. How are you doing, Steve? Uh, I'm good. Good to be back. Uh, talk some more draft, real early draft here. And I, I must say, uh, every time you said tick pick just uh, a minute ago here, I was the uh, physical embodiment of the Michael Scott giggling gif uh, that I use so frequently on Twitter because I have the brain of a 12-year-old. 
I would expect nothing less. I actually, as I was reading that advertisement, did presume that you were giggling incessantly. I saw that you were mic'd, which I appreciated. So it let me focus because don't get me wrong, I've messed that live read up about 72 times in the last week. So we did our best. I think it came out clean. Now we can talk about some draft prospects for your uh, Saturday college football enjoyment. Mm. Let's lead off the, again, disclaimer, Steve, every one of these mocks, they stick us at pick 25 because of the preseason odds of where teams will finish in the year. That will adjust as the season wears on, and eventually the Browns may end up settling into the 32nd pick. But today, we pick 25th, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. It's uh, We don't set the order, and uh, we don't set the board either. You're at the mercy of uh, whichever simulator you, uh, you choose to do your mock on, and you have to use that as if it is your board. Because I know people that will go, oh, well... They've got this player ranked 142nd, but I think he's a first-round pick, so I'm just going to pick him. Well, you can't do that. you got to stick to the numbers, stick to the board, or else you know, you're know you going to pick the same eight guys every time, and it doesn't make any sense. And at 25 here, we got uh, we got kind of lucky because I think he's like, if I remember right, 14th or 18th on the, on the Draft Network board, which is the simulator I use. we got a guy uh, a lot of people in Ohio are going to be familiar with, Aiden Hutchinson, the edge slash IDL. Uh, out of uh, Michigan, who missed a lot of last year um, with, uh, I believe it was a foot injury, wasn't it? Or did he break his leg? I don't remember. Uh, it was wasn't lower anything. body. Yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't a, a ligament or anything like that that could, you know, wasn't an ACL or, or you know, something that could be career-threatening uh, down the road. It was something easy to come back. Well, I don't know about easy, but uh, but and he came back and he had, he had a whale of a game last week. He, he's listed at 6'5", 270, and honestly, I think he's a little bit bigger than that, to be uh, perfectly honest with you, but he moves uh, cat-like almost, and, and he has that inside-outside versatility that, as you and I have discussed and everybody else in Brown's social media has discussed, uh, for the past couple of months, it is wildly apparent that Joe Woods and, uh, by extension, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry wants on their team. He can, he can, he can run the arc. He can bull rush. He can, he can go in over the guard, and he's got some moves in there. He's got a club rip. He's got, he's got, he's got pretty much uh, 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 as wide of an array of a prospect uh, moves for a prospect as you could want. Now, you know, some of them can get better. Obviously, that's the case with anybody in college. Everybody has stuff they need to improve on when they are a rookie in the NFL, but he at least has the, the building blocks of being a complete player and edge at this point is one of the positions, uh, that as we sit here right now, uh, what mere hours before the game against Kansas city, a couple hours, um, it, it's in the possibility range. We don't know what's going to happen with UW and Clowney and Tack McKinley. We don't know, you know, who's going to be behind Miles Garrett uh, at edge next year? We have no idea. Now, if Clowney or Tack or both has a year where they decide to reward them and bring them back again, then they may not look at edge in the first round. Uh, they may look elsewhere because there's a couple other positions, interior defensive line, um, interior offensive line, wide receiver, depending on what happens with those two big contracts that we've talked about. Um, and as I always like to say, cornerback is always at least in the discussion. But uh, right now, the best value on the board when I ran this particular simulation, by far actually, was uh, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. And I, I, th I know he's got a pretty good game coming up here uh, this weekend too. Yeah, so he played uh, 149 snaps in 2020 before the injury. At an 82.5 grade, 88.8 .8 run defense grade. Again, these are courtesy of Pro Football Focus. 
uh, seven total, uh, seven total pressures, two hits, two hur- five hurries. So that wasn't the best barometer. His his 2019 season, he played a, his career high 746 snaps in a full regular college football season, an 82.9 defense grade, run defense 83.6. He had 46 total pressures, which is a great number. Six sacks, 12 hits, 28 hurries, three batted passes, 47 total tackles, 18 assisted tackles. Uh, 34 stop plays. Those are plays that constitute a failure for the offense and two forced fumbles. So he is productive. He was productive in game one where he played 38 snaps last week against Western Michigan. He's number 97 if you want to go back and watch it. 38 snaps, 93 grade, fantastic score. 76.3 in the run defense, but where he thrived was in pass rush. 92.2, four total pressures. It's just great for a single game. A sack, two hits, a hurry, three tackles, three stop plays, and a forced fumble. So the data backs it up. He's a big guy. They actually list him an inch taller at 6'6", 265 uh, in the uh, pro football focus numbers here. Uh, he is a top 30 prospect by most people that do these big boards. He has a game against Washington, and we know Washington was disappointing in their loss to Montana in week one. It's a primetime ABC game, 8 o'clock tomorrow night in Ann Arbor. They do face a guy named Jackson Kirkland, who is a top offensive tackle prospect if he is playing. Uh, some people go so far as to rank him as a top 10 uh, total player in the class. So we'll see if he gets maxed up. Uh, sorry, if Hutchison gets matched up with Jackson Kirkland. Other guys in that game to keep an eye on. Two more for you. Daxton Hill, the safety prospect from Michigan, and then Trent McDuffie, the cornerback prospect from Washington. He's good. Yeah, so those are guys to keep your eye on in that game who we are not going to reference as picks here. So that's our first-round pick. Now with the second-round pick, going to a struggling program, but a good player, and again, along the defensive uh, defensive line. Yeah, a uh, guy that's uh, been under the radar uh, for a couple of years, and I, but I think would have burst onto the scene last year had they played, if I remember correctly, their entire season was canceled. They Correct. were one of the teams that did not come back at UConn. Uh, they, last they might year. Tra- also want to cancel this season the way it started. Yeah, <laughs> they could end up having better memories of last season than they do of this one if this last week is any indication. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Travis Jones... Uh, frankly, the best way to describe him is he is a dude. Um, 6'4", 330 is what they list him at. And here's something I came across uh, when I was uh, doing a little research on the guy last year, actually, because I was really looking for him uh, to break out last year. When he got to UConn, he was 360 pounds and had 30% body fat. Now, the coaches have raved about his work ethic, his dedication. You tell him to do something, he does it, he understands it, he he knows what he needs to improve on. He goes out and improve it. This is yet. This is one example of that. Now he's just shy. He's 328, actually, and 13% body fat. That's a huge transformation for a young man in a short uh, amount of time. And it just goes to show what the coaches have all said about him. He is he's built like a brick house, man. He looks like an NFL defensive tackle already, and he is uber-athletic. Uh, still unsure of himself in the pass rush department just kind of tries to overwhelm the people across from him as is the case with a lot of really big dudes in college because you know they, you go back to high school and Wee and everything else they've always been the biggest guy on the field they've been able to just push everybody around and so they never really had to learn the finer points of the game now uh the coaches have said that he really worked on it on the offseason uh and uh, from what i recall he had a pretty big game even though you kind of had a miserable day last week but he had a pretty big game i think he either 
double digit or close to double digit tackles if i remember but uh tremendous in the run game just absolute powerful anchor does not get moved does not let get guys guys get into him and in the past game he can do it he shows it on uh, occasion but he just really hasn't developed a plan yet which is the case as you know jake with a lot of interior defensive linemen it takes a while to learn it at the offensive level or i'm sorry at the nfl level because the offensive guys you're playing across from they're veteran, they're men, they're feeding their families. They know what you're going to do before you do it half the time. So um, he's, he's kind of all, he's one of those guys that's kind of all over the place on a lot of boards right now. Um, partly because he didn't play at all last year, partly because he plays at UConn and a lot of people don't know what to do with him. I've seen him as high as the, you know, uh, the end of the top 50 on some and in other boards, he's, you know, firmly in day three. So, but it's a long way to go. Uh, don't pay attention to those too closely. At uh, this point, just look at the traits, look at the production, look at the the progression. Um, and interior defensive line, as we know, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. It's another place. We don't know about Andrew Billings' contract. Malik Jackson's only on a one-year deal, and he's over the age of 30. We're all excited about Malik McDowell, but truly, we have no clue. Uh, Jordan Elliott is the same way. And then uh, Tommy Togiai is a long-term project. So early on... Uh, IDL, at, as we sit here right now, is a definite possibility. So guys like uh, DeMarvin Leal, uh, Jordan Davis, who everybody saw have a really impressive game for Georgia the other night. Uh, Winfrey down at Oklahoma. Um, uh, apologies to our Buckeye fans out there. Haskell Garrett turns 24 years old three days after the draft next year. So unless they do something they have never done before, he is off the board for the Browns. Um, but uh, a lot of guys, uh, uh, Tito Abonia. From UCLA, I like him. I think he's underrated right now. Uh, still lower on a lot of boards. But Travis Jones right now, if I wanted to go interior defensive line early on day two, was by far the best uh, available option uh, for us at pick uh, 57. I think BFF has his draft eligible year wrong. They put him at 23, but I'm pretty sure he's going into his junior year this year. He's a junior. He would be eligible. So I think they just need Travis to Jones? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's been a – well, he's gone 82.8 in 18, 2019, 77.8, 2021-81.6. Pretty consistently good rushing uh, run defense grades. Pass rush has gotten better over his career in a full season in 2019. He took 2020 off. So, yeah, he's definitely eligible. Uh, 2019, he was 23 total pressures, three sacks, seven hits, 13 hurries, 21 stop plays, had 24 stop plays the year before his, his freshman year. So definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. He is not in any of the draft network top fifties. That's okay though. That doesn't mean a guy can't keep rising. I think he'll have a chance to, uh, I would be remiss if I did not go back to what we were just talking about when we're talking about Michigan. In Washington, Cade Otten, the tight end, Steve. I did not mention he will be another guy, a Washington tight end, who's mm -hmm, been in mm -hmm. the top 50 on some boards to keep an eye on. As for UConn, UConn plays Purdue, 3 o'clock kick tomorrow. If you are so bored that you stumble into that game to watch Travis Jones, per our recommendation, there is a Purdue edge to keep your eye on. George, Carla, is it Carlafidus? I think is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, he was the second overall... Winka. Winka, yes, that's how I pronounce any last name. I think it's Car. <laughs> I think it's Carlaftis. I could be wrong though. He I'm was, pretty uh, sure that's it. Yeah. He was the number two player in the uh, to watch. Or number, he was in the top five players to watch. Big Ten returning, so he is a guy you could 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 key in on the edge from Purdue as well to keep you watching both sides of the football. That's a three o'clock game. It'll be on CBS Sports Network. You're going to have to dig deep to find that thing. Maybe get an illegal stream. Good luck to you on that one. Next pick. Listen, man. Between Stefan Diggs. And um, 
help help me out here. Carolina wide receiver from Maryland. I loved him. I'm blanking on his name. Oh, Steve. DJ uh, um, DJ Moore. DJ right? Moore. Yeah. DJ Moore. Goodness, guys. Late Friday night here. Uh, Maryland puts out some successful NFL wide receivers, and we're talking another one here with our third round pick, Dante Demas Jr. He's number seven. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, again, flying under the radar a, a, a bit nationally, but I think that has more to do with the Maryland program than him. Because, you know, when you think big time prospects, top 100 prospects, and this is not to say anything about them in particular, but you don't Maryland doesn't, you know, leap to mind. And this is a dude that, man, uh, physically, he's got it all listed at six, two and a half, just shy of 220 and uh, blazing speed. Very fast. Uh, had uh, nearly a 40 inch vertical leap. Uh, during his recruiting season out of high school. Um, and he is, if you're looking for a traditional X, you know, in the NFL from from a height, weight, speed, everything physical, parts of his game, th- this guy is it. I mean, he, he can get deep. He's physical as hell. Uh, and But he's not just a guy that runs nine routes. And I think that's in Kevin Stefanski's offense. That's a very critical thing because the middle of the field is not just for tight ends. There's a lot of them. We know that. But if you're a big dude who can stretch the field vertically but also have zero fear of going over the middle and you can outfight people in contested catch situations, that gives you a leg up in a lot of areas when it comes to the NFL. And Demas can do a lot of that. Now, that's not to say that he is always uh, in a contested catch situation because that's one of the things you and I have learned Uh, over the past couple of years, absolutely critical. If you cannot separate consistently at the collegiate level, it's great that you're a contested catch guy. It's great that you're good at those kinds, but if that's all you do, it almost never translates to the NFL. Uh, It's great that it's part of your game. It can't be only your game. And in Demas's uh, case, it's not his only game. He can do, he has no fear going over the middle. Now, like a lot of wide receivers, especially guys his size and speed, again, like we just said about Travis Jones, he's always been able to just out-athlete the people across from him. So he needs to work on his releases. They need to get cleaner. He needs to get more. Uh, his route running is, you know, it's soft. It, it needs to be sharper. Eight and a half yard in means eight and a half yard in, not nine and a half yard in, that kind of stuff. And 
At the top of his routes, he can get a little sloppy, which allows defensive backs that he has beaten to get back into the play sometimes. So, But it's there. It's not like it can't be done. There are times where he gets off the line clean and there's just no stopping him. Uh, the stat sheet, obviously, you're going to read it here in a minute. I don't know exactly what it says off the top of my head, but he stuffs it on a pretty regular basis. So I know there's a lot of folks out there who think wide receiver will be very early uh, on the Browns' wish list. And if, and we don't know, but if they decide to move on from both of those giant contracts in the wide receiver room, very well could be. And then you're talking about guys like Mechie and the two Ohio State guys and Traylon Burks and, and you know, uh, those kind of George Pickens from Georgia, that kind of stuff. But if they wait until a little bit later on day two, you're looking at Romeo Dubs and Drake London and maybe Justin Ross and and those kind of guys. And David Bell from Purdue is another really good one. But Demas is going to be right in there. I think he's going to be one of those guys that unless Maryland has a great year, which I don't think anybody's expecting, a lot of folks won't know about him until the draft cycle begins, until like Senior Bowl or, or uh, Combine or something like that. But after that, people are going to know about this guy because he's got the goods. Yeah, he was uh, kind of backtracking stats a little bit. 2019, when they had more of a full season, 42 catches on 73 targets, 629 yards, six touchdowns. The thing I love is he forced 10 missed tackles, caught 26 first down receptions which is great at an 84.8 passer rating in his direction. Caught four of nine contested targets. Last year's season, he caught three of four contested targets, made four tackles, uh, four missed tackles happen, 15 first down catches, 24 catches on 45 targets, 365 yards. So you'd like the receiving percentage to bump a bit. 2021, we saw that in the first week. Caught six of nine targets last week against West Virginia, 133 yards, a touchdown, uh, mostly a wide player, 90 uh, close to 90% of his snaps, in, in, at least last year and this year. The first game, he had 37 wide snaps, so that's your your, your explanation for playing X. Uh, only one snap in the slot. Had four first-down catches in that game, which is a great number. He did have one drop, which hurt his, you know, whatever, his total mark for the day, but a pretty good opening game. And Maryland plays an absolute snooze fest with Howard. Uh, yeah, the Howard Bison. I'm not talking about some guy named Howard. Howard Bison. It is a Big Ten Network game, 7.30 p.m. if you want to stumble into that one. There'll be better opportunities to watch him against better competition, but that is where he will play tomorrow in case you would like to get into that game. Now we move to the fourth round. I'm not sure what pick number it is based on this thing, but I know there's two fourth-round picks. According to your mock here, pick 104. Browns go tight end, a guy we just watched play pretty well against LSU. Go ahead. Yeah, Greg Dulcich, uh, and if he continues what he's done these first couple of weeks, uh, my guess is he doesn't make it out of day two. Uh, but again, as we always like to say, it's September. Let's not lock ourselves into anything like that this far ahead of April. But yeah, the thing with Dulcich, um, not only is he physically gifted, as anybody who watched that game against LSU saw, he is, and I hate to say this, leading into the game, and, and it's lofty. He, he reminds me quite a bit of Travis Kelsey, uh, similar style of play, similar, similar gait. Like they run, there's just something about him when he's on the screen that, that says Kelsey to me. And that's, again, 
as always. Not a prediction. I'm not saying that's what he's going to be as soon as he comes into the league. I'm just saying stylistically, that's what uh, he reminds me of. The coach is another guy that they rave about him. This is a common theme when I try to do my mocks because we've seen what Andrew Barry likes to do uh, from an age perspective and from a locker room perspective and that sort of stuff. Uh, came to UCLA as a wide receiver, tall, gangly, 6'4". He was just a little over 210, if I recall, and mm-hmm. wasn't getting a lot of playing time. They asked him to move to tight end. And the coaches have just gone on and on because he went in there, went from about 212 to just shy of 250. I think they got they might have him listed at 250 uh, in the UCLA football program um, and has really worked on his blocking as well. Obviously, he's gifted in the pass department. We've seen that. You know, he, he knows how to get open. He understands, uh, you know, how to find a soft spot in the zone. He, he's really good when um, uh, Dorian uh uh, Thompson Robinson comes breaks the pocket. He's very, very good at seeing his quarterback in trouble, coming back to the ball, coming to the side of the field where the scramble is happening and finding a spot, which is a trait that Kelsey is great at. Mark Andrews is great at. All the great tight ends have that. You've got to be a safety valve and a security blanket for your quarterback, and he definitely is that. Um, he's, he's still not the best in-line blocker, but in a very small sample size thus far, he is drastically improved from what we saw last year, which speaks again to, like the coaches say, uh, to his work ethic. So if they decide to go tight end, and they very well could, even if they keep Dan, uh, David Njoku because Austin Hooper's contract is just a year or two away, and tight end is one of those positions where you need to give somebody a year or two to learn as the third tight end, like they're doing with Harrison Bryant right now, before you thrust him into a starting role. If they do, Dulcich will be in the conversation. There's there's a lot of really good tight ends, but uh, I know our friend Sam Panix uh, has already set his heart <laughs> on Greg Dulcich, and uh, it's easy to see why if you watch him for five minutes. Yeah, you, you talk about the – I hate going this far into the future because I think Hooper could have a really good season. But if yep. the worst comes to pass and he struggles again and he's just not a dynamic player for them that justifies the contract – there is something they can do after June 1st of next year. They can move mm-hmm. on from that without hammering their cap space. And then the logical thing is you kept David around, you bump Harrison Bryant into Hooper's role. It's that second tight end now, the same sort of athletic frame. And then, obviously, you would have a third tight end like Dolchich or whoever they end up going with in that, in that sort of third role. So it's in the realm of outcomes. For now, we stay as optimistic as possible, which, again, is not optimistic by like sheer blindness. I think Hooper could have a really nice year, and they'll keep him another right. year. So it's possible. We'll see what they end up doing. But Dolchich is nice, man. Forty-six, uh, sorry, forty-one targets last year, twenty-six catches, five hundred and seventeen yards, five touchdowns for a not very good UCLA team. So he made his his efforts his efforts counted. He runs well. He had that seventy-five yard catch last week against LSU, which has accounted for a lot of his yards. He's got ninety-one yak yards this year on one hundred and thirty-three total. So that's great. Four catches on eight targets. He's got that touchdown. The, the the pass blocking is the highest number it's been. The run drop, or sorry, the run blocking is better than it's been. He's gonna guy, be a guy that keeps rising. So just a tight end name to keep an eye on. UCLA, who played that week zero game with Hawaii, is actually off this week, so they will be back next week with the pesky Fresno State team on uh, September eighteenth. That'll be a super late Pac twelve after dark game. So if you're interested in watching him again, you'll have to wait a week. Uh, the other fourth round pick, which I believe is one twenty seven. Joey Porter Jr., the name is familiar. He's a player. You can get players in the fourth round. I think I think we I'd like to see his his coverage numbers go up this year, but I, you know, Wisconsin game, I thought he made some plays. He had 
in that Wisconsin game too. He had a stop tackle. He had, uh, I think he had a pass breakup in that game too. It's the only game we've seen from them. He did have a pass breakup, a key pass breakup. Uh, five catches allowed on six targets, 57 yards. But again, four tackles. He's not afraid to tackle, just like his dad, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, just from a personal standpoint, seeing Joey Porter come watch his son and have to wear brown and orange, boy, that would be fun. Just just from a Browns fan standpoint, wouldn't it? <laughs> seeing him cheer for us after all the – well, let's not get into it. But, yeah, Porter is – he's one of those guys that at this point is still more promise than, you know, proven. Uh, but – Boy, is the promise there. Uh, 6'2", uh, just shy of two, uh, 200 pounds, uh, lettered in track. So he's got the speed and he's got tremendous length. The dude has vines uh, for arms, which helps him in the pass breakup department and in his tackling. Uh, like you said, he's a he's more than willing to come up and stick his nose in in the run game. I can't imagine you grew up with Joey Porter as your dad and somehow are a timid tackler as, as corner. <laughs> he'd, he'd have whooped him all over the house if that's the way it was. So he has no fear sticking his uh, nose in, uh, in run support. But yeah, he had a really good game uh, from everybody that I uh, respect that breaks this stuff down against Wisconsin. Now, you know, if you watched that game, like I know a lot of us did, it's hard to say how much of that was good defense on both sides and how much of that was just just horrendous offenses. But, I mean, he's fast, he's long, uh, he's got all the tools, he's got the work ethic, he's got the bloodlines. And again, if you're asking him in the fourth round, you're talking about an early day three guy, that's what you, you like to see that. You like to see height, weight, speed guys uh, uh, from your day three prospects because you know, you hit on a DPJ in the sixth round. You hit on a Harrison Bryant in the fourth round. You hit on, you know, um, uh, Demetric Felton in the sixth round. That's what you do. It doesn't work every time, but when you get into day three, you want those guys that if I can fix this, this, and this, this guy has the physical stuff that you can't teach already down pat. So his tackle grade pops to me, a 2020 tackle grade of 85.8. He had 30, yep. uh, 28 total tackles on his own, four assisted tackles, eight stop plays. I know his frame is bigger, but to me that screams maybe somebody who could be a nickel guy. And I know that Troy Hill will – I know his contract says it's got more years than what it really has. It's essentially a one-year deal that they can bend on if they want to bend on it. And he's been an outside corner at Penn State for a while, but maybe, again, I know a little taller than you traditionally see play that slot position, but – something worth considering something they could have their eye on there. And as a fourth rounder, you like getting those guys who could play slot for you, get 35, 40 snaps a game in uh, going to Notre Dame now talking. Oh, I should finish up with Penn state. They play uh ball state and it's likely to be a snooze fest. It's a three thirty kick. I don't know with Penn state's quarterback situation. Clifford's terrible. They could be in any game. I mean, they could let anybody into any game, but they have a ton of NFL prospects. They have, a linebacker who's pretty good, Brown is his last name, or sorry, Brandon Smith, linebacker prospect for you to watch on Penn State. They also have Jahan Dotson, he's a fun wide receiver, a day two wide receiver, day three wide receiver that could mm-hmm. be a riser. So anyone else on Penn State you want to mention there? I can't. Uh, the else. transfer edge is pretty good, but I, uh, if I remember right, he's outside the or bumping up against the age guard rail at least. I, I, I'll have to dig back into that. I, I know I look for. I'm blanking on his name. It's uh, one of those unpronounceable names, but he transferred from like Temple or something like that and was all over the field. He's the guy that blocked the kick uh, last right. week. Um, totally blanking on his name at the moment, but we'll, yeah, we'll that's say his guy. name at some point in the coming shows throughout the Buinka. year. So Buinka, yeah, you'll get there. Yeah. Buinka's his name. Uh, Jarrett Patterson, the center is our next pick in the fifth round. Notre Dame kid 
has had two really good years over the last two years. Struggled against Florida State, but I think, I think for the most part, Notre Dame collectively struggled against Florida State in an unexpected dogfight. So talk about Jarrett Patterson a little bit. You can be concise on these last three picks as we sort of move through. But yeah, I know that they're going to keep looking. David Moore claim tells me they're going to keep looking at interior alignment, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of the the struggles on the Notre Dame offensive line were unexpected uh, athleticism and power from all those transfers at Florida State. Some of those guys, uh, Jermaine Johnson can freaking play, man. The guy couldn't even find the field at Georgia, but he was everywhere. Unfortunately for the Browns, he's outside the age guardrail, so I'm not going to get to really look at him. But yeah, Patterson's one of those guys, and, and like you said, interior offensive line could happen under certain situations much earlier than this. Uh, there's a lot of really good interior offensive linemen in this year's class and Patterson on day three. I mean, he's a, he's a veteran guy. Notre Dame cranks out technically sound, smart uh, offensive linemen who are always looking for work. You never scout the helmet, but the system that they come from that teaches them the right things does matter when you're looking at these kinds of things. And yeah, we don't know. We don't know about JC. Uh, we still don't know about Nick Harris, although the, um, uh, you and Warhog, your uh, uh, your film room on the Falcons game made me feel way much better, uh, so much better about uh, Nick Harris than I did before. Uh, so, yeah, and you, then you throw in Wyatt Teller's contract, Joel Batonio's contract. All these interior guys now, most of them anyway, can go from center to guard and back uh, at least reasonably well. So it's something they could be looking at. Um, he's a big, powerful guy, not the fastest dude, but he can get out to the second level. So... Yeah, somebody that you could keep in your conversation on day three. Good deal. We'll keep our eye on Jared Patterson. Pretty good grades the last two years, 81.7 total grade last year, 72.1 pass block grade, 82.0 run block grade, and 563 snaps, and a pretty good year in 2019 as well. Notre Dame's got some guys. You know my affinity for Michael Mayer, who's two years away. Love that tight end. Kyle Mm -hmm. Hamilton is going to be an elite pick in this draft, the safety prospect. I think he's number 14. And I'm seeing if Jordan Reed, our guy who's going to be on your show tomorrow, has any other Notre Dame guys in the top 50. I do not see anyone else. Anyone else you want to mention from there to keep an eye on? No, not really. Uh, a lot of new faces uh, for the Domers this year. Got to see how they perform on the field at this point before we can really um, you know, say, say anything about any of them. Okay, let's talk about our next pick, which has NFL ties that are quite real. Pick 203, Stephen Gilmore, corner out of Marshall. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give you three guesses as to who his older brother's brother is. Go ahead, guess. Um, Artis Gilmore. Uh, yes. Oh, I got it right. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's obviously the younger of a Steph- uh, younger brother of Stephon Gilmore, who a lot of Browns fans wanted us to trade for in the offseason for the Patriots, and uh, it, it's quite apparent when you watch him. He's a little bit smaller uh, than his brother. He's listed at five ten, one seventy five. Um, he plays at Marshall, uh, but it's obvious that he has studied with and uh, learned from his brother because uh, his fundamentals are, are pretty fantastic. Um, uh, loves to make plays on the ball, too. Had a pick just this past week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, fast guy, was a track athlete in high school. Um, not the biggest dude, but is not afraid of anybody. Will come in and hit you and run support as well. Um, at his size, for the Browns' specific fit, probably one of those slot guys like you were talking about. But, again, like we said last year with Asante Samuel Jr., if a guy plays on the outside his whole career, you let him start there. You know, Prove to me that you're not big enough or not fast enough, not strong enough to do it at the NFL level. Then we'll move you inside. You know, But I, he's a guy that I think will have that versatility that they like. If nothing else, for the back end, uh, of the uh, of the uh, secondary room and uh, special teams. 
Yeah, I mean, pretty good grades last year. 69.5, almost a 70 mark the last two years collectively. Uh, had a ton of snaps, 612 last year, 544 the year before. Uh, right around 70 coverage grades. Again, strong. His tackling metrics were really good last year. It's 87.2, 32 total independent tackles, and 8 stop plays, 12 stop plays the year before. So he's affecting run schemes, right? He can come up and make tackles. He did miss two tackles week one against Navy, but God, Navy presents such a difficult scheme, man. It's so yep. weird. He did have that interception you did reference earlier, only four yards allowed on two targets. One was caught. So, yeah, he's a he's a guy to keep an eye on as a late-day player. You know, we developed so many of these guys, man, uh, over time with these, these, these DBs who could be late-round guys. So we'll keep our eye on Stephen Gilmore. The bloodlines are real. If you're so bored that you stumble on to ESPN Plus to watch North Carolina Central play Marshall, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Stephen Gilmore plays uh, seven six thirty on again ESPN Plus. That's a game you could uh, meander into. Last pick of the draft for Cleveland is Colby. I think Harville Peel, right? Yeah, uh, is who it is. Is a safety. He's number thirty one. Uh, give us a little something something about him, and we'll call today. Yeah, he's uh, he's more of a, a what would you would consider a traditional box safety type. He is absolutely jacked up, man. The guy doesn't seem to have an ounce of fat on him. He's he's rocked up, um, and loves to play downhill. He's one of those guys. So if they were to look for this type of a safety. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it would be is if Ronnie Harrison moves on because he's also in the last year of his contract. But uh, it's hard to believe that this is the third consecutive draft cycle that I've been interested in this guy, but he's still inside the age guard reel. And that's that's kind of hard to believe. But uh, uh, I, I'm not sure why he's so low at this point. I really like his game. Maybe that's just early and they haven't gotten to grading him or something like that yet. But uh, yeah, if you can get a guy with this kind of aggression, and uh, knows for the football, especially in run support, um, at this point on day three, I'll take that from uh, uh, from a program like Oklahoma State. I'll take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, he had a great 2019 when he had his most snaps of his career, 762 mm-hmm. snaps. He had 84.5 grade, which is fantastic, and 89.5 coverage grade, which, again, is great. He's been a big tackle guy, 48 his freshman year, 55 his sophomore year, 35 last year as the snap count numbers were reduced, but... He's never, he's never been a great tackler. That's a little bit of the issue. 12 missed tackles first year, second year, 18, 11 last year, and he missed three tackles in the first game of the year this year against Montana State. So that's something he has to clean up as he if right. he wants to sneak into any round above six or, or five. But, yeah, as far as like a late-round shot on a player – uh, a guy like him, his body type, some of the some of the production numbers, yeah, you would you would take that kind of shot. So, uh, yeah, that's our draft for today. We will reference many other players. I don't think I'm missing any other Oklahoma State top fifty guys. Maybe you know one off the top of your head, Steve. No, I don't actually. Uh, Eddie Buinka, I'm not sure. Oh, man, kicker, holder, what's he play? Uh, yeah, uh, he, he's a hybrid. He's a long snapper, uh, defensive tackle. Oh, so he's like a throwback to an era by gone. Right. Boinka. Yeah. Got him. Anyway, Tulsa, I, I like to try to mesh that in without breaking stride. Uh, Tulsa plays at Oklahoma State. Tulsa lost to, who'd they lose to week one, Steve? I said it. They were UC Davis. So now they go to Oklahoma State this week. They play tomorrow uh, at 12 o'clock, and then Tulsa travels to Ohio Stadium the following week. Not a great start for, for, for Tulsa. Good so, luck. Good luck. Yes. Good luck to them. Again, Colby. Harville Peel is number 31. You can check him out in that game. That's all for today's show. We have knocked out another mock draft. We'll keep doing these as long as Steve says yes to them. I'll keep posting these Friday night and into Saturday for your 
college football enjoyment. And so when the season is over, we all have a great idea who the draft prospects are. Because as we know, this stuff clears up throughout the year. But it's nice to reference, hey, man, I remember that that Harville Peel guy. Where did I hear that first? Oh, yeah, way back in September when Jake and Steve were talking about him. So right. that's the goal. That's what we're trying to do right now is kind of plant the seed so that later in the year, we have an idea who these people are. Steve, thanks for taking so much time, man. You hosted a great show on the Twitch tonight. Now you're doing this podcast. You're like the, uh, you're like, uh, give me a great utility baseball player. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Come I was on. just going to say I'm a mule. Okay. Yeah. You're like the, you're the mule. You're the guy who just does all the dragging <laughs> of the OBR. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Thanks brother. Anytime. Always fun coming on and chopping it up with you, man. Thanks guys. Steve, uh, is the best he is. He's, you know, he's covering so many different things for us, hosting shows, doing things above and beyond. Uh, I appreciate all of the work he's doing for the OBR. And again, taking, taking a half hour or more for this show is also so appreciated so that you guys can have some idea of the prospects we're watching and who to key in on when you watch some college football. So, you know about who the Browns might be taking. We will have his show tomorrow, which again, reminder is going to be fantastic at 11 a.m. on the OBR Twitch. Jordan Reed from the Draft Network, who is one of the best doing this stuff, will be joining him, and uh, I think it'll be a great show, and it'll be a regular Saturday effort for us as a sort of kickoff to your college football Saturday and tying it into the Browns and all that fun stuff. So, again, make sure to check that out. Follow and subscribe to the Twitch. Keep spreading word about this podcast. You guys are great. I will be back uh, hosting the show again tomorrow morning. You'll have your Sunday game day primer, 10 to 15 minutes, probably around 10 minutes, on all the things I'm watching for, key storylines, some betting lines, in case you want to get in on some late gambling options that are out there. We'll talk about all that fun stuff. It'll be a great time. Ten minutes to get you fired up before we go live at 11. Uh, 11 a, no, gosh, it's a 2.30 show. We started 2.30 because the game's at 4.25. So it'll be a 2.30 pregame start on the OBR Twitch. Check that out. Join us. Come hang out. Pour a beer. Watch some 1 o'clock games. Chat Browns with us in the show. And then, as usual... We'll have a grand old time after the game, one way or the other. We'll see how it goes. We'll break it all down in the post-game show after that. So that's our schedule coming up. Make sure to continue to spread the word about that Twitch, spread the word about the OBR Film Breakdown. Keep doing a great job with that. You fans are the best. This is for you. We appreciate you guys so much. Have a great, great weekend, and go Browns. Go Browns.